Now, if I was to ask you this morning, what is love? What is love? Uh, I'm sure we'd have lots of different responses. We hear about love all the time. People long to fall into love. Uh, They long to stay into love. They love to feel loved. But really, what is love? Now, in the 1990s, there was a guy called Hadaway, and he asked this question in a song. And he asked the question, what is love? And then he says, baby, don't hurt me, don't hurt me, don't hurt me no more. And I'm not going to sing it for you because I ain't got a good voice. But that's what he asked. He asked the question, what is love? And he realized that love can hurt. And so he asked his baby not to hurt him. But if I was to ask you today to define love, many of you might say, well, love is a feeling. So some of you may say, well, love is something that comes from deep within. Others may say, well, love is an attraction. And some of you crazy people out there say love is an addiction, and you're just addicted to love. Don't you love all the references to songs I'm going out this morning? But uh, some of you may think that love is just longing to be with somebody else, or love is happy thoughts, or love is just an emotion. The problem is, it's difficult to define love because we all love in different ways. Some of you, you feel loved when you receive gifts. When someone says, hey, I've got a gift for you, and you open, and some of you ladies open the gift, and it's this big shiny ring with a huge stone, you feel loved. Uh, Others, you show your love by doing acts of kindness. Some of you ladies, you would love it. I mean, you would feel so loved if your husband just decided to wash the dishes for once, right? You would feel loved because you show love through acts of kindness. So some of you, you give your love to another by verbalizing your love. You tell people, oh, I love you, or I love this, or or, I'm in love with you. And that's how you show your love. But others, you think that words are empty, and you think that love is only expressed through touch. And if someone's not holding your hand, or giving you a hug, or giving you a kiss, or, you know, just touching your arm, you don't feel love. Because we all love in different ways. And last week we discovered that God is love. God is love. When we discovered that God loves us deeply, and he shows this to us by showing his grace to us when we don't deserve things. God is gracious to us. And he is compassionate to us when we hurt and we're in pain. God is compassionate to us. We discovered that that God loves us by the way that he gave up everything for us. He gave his son, Jesus Christ, for us. He gave up his life for us. And we also discovered that God loves us and he shows he loves us because he's promised that he'll never leave us. And he'll always be there. So God is love. But the Bible also tells us that we are to love God as well. As God loves us, the Bible says that we are to love God. And I asked this one, how is this even possible? How is it possible to love God? It's hard enough, I think, at times to express our love for other human beings in our lives. I mean, I don't know about you, but I sometimes find it hard to express my love to other people all the time. You know, for, for those of you who've got pets... And, you know, you love your pet. You love your dog. But yet you'll put your dog in a cage all day while you're at work. Is that really love? You people, you love your cats. 
but you'll just let your cat go for five days and you'll never see him. And you're like, oh, he'll return or she'll return. Is that really love? I don't know, you people with your pets. You know, some of you who like clothes, you you get a new shirt or you get a new dress and you're like, I love this shirt. I love this dress. I love these shoes. And you use that expression. But next year, they're in the back of your closet and you're like, oh, I think I had some shoes one time that went with this outfit and you're no longer in love with it. Now, I love ice cream, and I love chocolate, and I love all things that are sweet. But I know if I have too much of it, it's going to make me throw up. And I've have thrown up a few times by having a few much, too much chocolate or too much ice cream. It's kind of my weakness. So how are we supposed to love God? If, if we have this word love that just goes around, how are we supposed to love God? Is there a universal way to love God? Or does God allow us to define how we are to love him? Also, how are we supposed to love someone or something that we can't see? I mean, I don't know about you, but I've never seen God. So how can we love something we can't see? How can we love something that we can't hear? I don't know about you, but I've never audibly heard God's voice. So how can I love someone I can't see, I can't hear, and then I can't really feel? You know, it's not like as a human being that I can touch, you know. How can I love God? Is love for God just made up or is there a way to love God? You know, one day Jesus was walking down the road and some people started to question Jesus. And they started to ask all these questions. They were trying to catch Jesus out. And then one man came to Jesus and he asked him a similar question. And we find this this conversation that Jesus had with this man in Mark chapter 12. So if you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Mark chapter 12. And in Mark chapter 12, starting at verse 28, this is what happened. It said, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. So people were asking Jesus questions and Jesus was giving a reply. And this one man, he was standing there listening to the debate. It said, he realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord your God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Then it says, the teacher of religious law replied, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all my heart, with all my understanding, with all my strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required by the law. Realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said this to him. He says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask Jesus any more questions. So to summarize, this is what happened. A religious expert came up to Jesus and he asked Jesus, which commandment is the greatest? Now, this conversation is actually recorded in the book of Luke as well. 
But in the book of Luke, uh, Luke records it a little differently. The man comes up to Jesus and Luke says, what is or what do I need to do to gain eternal life? So there there were kind of two different questions. But in both Mark and both Luke, it was exactly the same answer. And Jesus said this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was quoting uh, a passage in Scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4 to 5. And, And this was a passage in Scripture where there was a guy called Moses who was on a mountain called the Mount Sinai, and God came to Moses, and he said to Moses, he says, I'm going to give you a law, I'm going to give you a way of living, that you must obey and you must go by. And this law came and it came in the form of what we know as the Ten Commandments. And and after God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, God, God said this to Moses. He says that you are to seal these Ten Commandments with this last command. And this is the command. You are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And you are equally to love your neighbor as yourself. So if both God is saying, God the Father who spoke to Moses is saying that this is the great commandment. If Jesus, God who walked this earth, is saying that this is the greatest commandment, then I want to know what it means for me. If, if a man comes to Jesus and says, what do I do to gain eternal life? And Jesus said, you must follow the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and your strength. I want to I know what I need to do to gain that eternal life. I want to know what I need to do to obey the greatest commandment that there is. Now, if I was to ask you this morning to draw a picture of love, if I was to give you, you know, say we're all in like, third grade, uh, kindergarten, say, you know, probably your guys' level, right? No, only kidding. So if I was to give you all paper and give you some crayons, because they use crayons in kindergarten, and I was to ask you, draw me a picture of love, I guarantee, I'm not, we're not going to do it, but I guarantee about 70 or 80% of you are probably going to draw a big old heart, right? Am I right or am I wrong? Right, thank you. You're probably going to draw big old hearts. Because we have made a heart a picture of love. Uh, we actually uh, believe that the heart is a romantic symbol of love. We even have a day on the 14th of February we call Valentine's Day, which is really heart day. And we give each other these mushy little cards that just want to make you like be sick. And they're like, but they've got hearts all over them. We draw hearts. We give little chocolates with hearts. And it's, it's hearts everywhere, everywhere. And, and when our love hurts or when we, we, our love is broken, what do we do? We draw a broken heart, right? Some of you are better. Some of you, like, can't even draw a proper heart like me. They look, I don't know what they look like. They just look like an orange or something. But some of you, you get really fancy. You draw the arrow through it and all that and, and, and everything. But the symbol of the heart is now our symbol for love. Uh, Have you ever wondered where that symbol came from? Because it hasn't always been there. In in fact, nobody really knows where the symbol of the heart came from. There's some people that say it it went all the way back to the Middle Ages. 
in Britain in the Middle Ages or in France in the Middle Ages, somewhere over there in Europe. Uh, others say that it was the 12th century. In the 12th century, the symbol of the heart became the symbol for love. Uh, others say it was the 15th century. Uh, the Catholics amongst us, or you know, Catholic people, they would believe it was the 17th century. And they believed it was this nun who created this symbol of a heart for love. Some people reference it to a French man. Others reference it to an African plant. I don't know where an African plant and like a heart and love comes together, but some do. But regardless of the origin of where this symbol, the heart for love, comes from, there is one consensus. That when Jesus walked this earth, and even when God gave the law to Moses, the heart did not symbolize love. If someone drew a heart when Jesus walked this earth, they did not automatically think love. If there was such a thing called Valentine's Day, they wouldn't have given pictures of hearts to one another. You know, in fact, the, the love that we talk about today is, all, all, is, is normally a romantic kind of love. But did you know the word romance wasn't even a word when Jesus walked this earth? Romance wasn't even a word. So if Jesus is telling us that the greatest of these commandments is to love the Lord your God firstly with all your heart, what does this even mean? Because some of us think, oh, it's just like a lovey-dovey kind of feeling. But it's not. It's more than that. You know, when God gave Moses the law, when, God, when Moses was standing on this mountain and God came down and he gave him the Ten Commandments and he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. God gave it to Moses in Hebrew. This language Hebrew. Now, now the, the Hebrew language is very different to the English language. In the fact that it takes about a whole sentence to describe one English word. And, and so what we've done, we've taken this Hebrew Bible and we've condensed it. Because otherwise it would be just so much we would not be able to translate it into English. And so the, the, the Hebrew language is a little different. And the, the word that, that God used in Hebrew, and we're not going to get all like Hebrew on us this morning because I really don't know Hebrew. But the word that God gave was a word called lev, L-E-B, lev. He says that you shall love the Lord your God with all of your lev. And, and, and we have translated this into English as heart. So some others would translate it as mind which it takes us in a different place. Others would translate it as to love the Lord your God in the midst of someone or the whole being of someone. But yet the definition of this word lab that God used is so much more than this. In fact, the word lab does not mean a physical heart. It doesn't mean the thing that beats, you know, that some of you, you have to take blood pressure medicine for so your heart doesn't beat too slow or too fast. You know, you have to take med cholesterol medicine so your heart doesn't fail. It doesn't mean that kind of heart. The word lab means more your inner personality or the inner personality of a man. And so what God was telling Moses was to love the Lord your God with all of your personality. You, you know, so sometimes in, in church, and I've been in lots of different churches, and one thing that we don't do good, we do a lot of things good, but one thing we don't do good is we like to put people in a box. 
We don't like people to be different. If someone comes into our church and they've got a different personality, we, we, we like to, for, to, to form them and mold them into our personality. So you go to some churches and everybody's whacked out and they are crazy. You go to another church and everyone is just boring and stiff and still. And it's like we attract to, uh, like the people of our similar personality. But one thing as a church, we should embrace people's personality because God told us to love the Lord your God with all of your personality. Not to starve your personality, but to love the Lord your God with all of your personality. And for some of you, this is really difficult because you don't even know what your personality is. If I was to say define your personality, some of you, you may not even know what your personality is, and you wouldn't have no idea how to love someone through your personality. But yet this Hebrew word that God gave to Moses, Leb, L-E-B, it means so much more than just personality. In fact, the literal translation, if we were to really dissect it, it would mean this. The seat of your heart. The seat of your heart. The seat of your personality, the seat of your emotions. Now, all of you this morning, you're sitting in seats. But the seat back in Jesus' time, back in Moses' time, meant this, a throne. A throne. So I'm from England, and if you haven't already guessed. And my nation is, is governed, well, supposedly governed, by a queen. So the queen is the head of England, the head of Great Britain. And one time we were the head of the world, but we're not anymore. And the queen has a throne. And when the queen sits on the throne, that throne shows to the country and shows to others the authority that the queen has. The person who sits in the throne is the person with authority. Now, here in the United States, we don't have a monarch. We don't have a sovereign. We don't have a king or a queen. But we do have politicians. Yeah, we love them. (laughs) And when you vote for a politician, you are voting for a politician so that they can have a seat in Congress, a seat in the House of Representatives, or a seat in the Senate. And what that seat means, the fact that they are able to sit in that seat, it means they are somebody who is able to make decisions on your behalf. And so when God came to Moses and he says, you are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, God was saying, you are to love the Lord your God with all the seat or the authority of your personality and your emotions. This is what God was saying. I want you to surrender your emotions to me. Surrender your emotions to me. Surrender your happy emotions. Surrender your sad emotions, your silly emotions, your angry emotions, your quiet emotions. When you feel the emotion of joy, God is saying, surrender it to me. When you feel the emotion of fear, God is saying, surrender it to me. When you're feeling outraged or you're feeling just, tranquility in your heart. God is saying, surrender it to me. When you feel crazy, you know, like doing something crazy, or you feel sad, 
or when you're grumpy or when you're enthusiastic. God is saying, love me by giving me the power and the authority to your emotions. Let me ask you today, do you have to control your emotions yourself? Or do you give your emotions over to God? You see, when we give our emotions to God, we find that those negative emotions that sometimes cause havoc in our lives get starved of oxygen and those good emotions that we love start to let our lives thrive. You know, up until probably last year, maybe a year and a half ago, I struggled with just depression. I would just go through these bouts where life would just be dark. I mean, dark in my life. And it's not like I was doing anything bad. It's just like you'd wake up one morning and it's just like, please, someone shut out the lights and let tomorrow begin. It would just, it would just be horrible. And I got to the point where it was starting to paralyze me because I couldn't have conversations that I wanted to have. I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. And it was just like a black cloud was sometimes hovering over my life, not all the time, just occasionally. And I've realized I was holding on to my emotions. When this black cloud come, I would hold on to it instead of giving it over to God. I started realizing that I was the king of my emotions and God wasn't the king of my emotions. And about a year and year and a half ago, I decided I'm not going to let this paralyze me anymore. I'm just going to give it to God. I'm like, if, if, if I see a black cloud come in, I'm going to look the other way and I'm going to start seeing the bright blue skies of God. And, and, I, and I started like having this change in my life. And you know what? For about a year and a year and a half, I have not suffered with that black cloud that comes over my life. You know why? Because I realized I wasn't surrendering my heart to God, my emotions, the seat of my emotions, the power, the authority of my emotions to God. You know, this last week, not this last week, week before, I, I, I come down here sometimes on a, on a Tuesday and a Thursday morning, early in the morning, and I'll just pray. And, and I sat in my seat where I normally sit this, this past Thursday. And for some reason, I just started thanking God for the things that God had done for me. I mean, God had just saved me and, and changed my life and forgiven me for so much. And you know what happened? I started to cry. I started to cry. You know, I'm an English dude. English dudes don't cry. I didn't even cry last night when England lost to Italy. <laughs> Let me tell you. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But I started to cry. My emotions just started overwhelming. And I realized it's because God had taken control of my emotions. And some of you, you haven't cried before God for a long, long time. And maybe it's because you're trying to hold on to your emotions. It's time to let those emotions go and let God take control of those emotions. You know why? Because there is an enemy out there. We call him the devil, and he wants you to be governed by your emotions. He he wants your emotions to govern you. You know why? Because your emotions have the ability to paralyze you and destroy you. Your emotions have the ability to cloud your judgment and stop you progressing in your life. But when you give your emotions over to God, you know what he does? He cleans them out. It's like he's got a sift and and he starts sifting them. And all the junk just stays in there. And all the good emotions start to come out. 
and you feel like a totally different person. Have you ever met someone who's just given their life to Jesus Christ? Like God has just saved them, changed their life. Do you know what they say often? I feel like a totally different person. I feel like happy all the time. I feel joyful. I, I feel like, like even though there's stuff, bad stuff going on, it doesn't bother me. You know why? Because that person has surrendered their life unto God. But sometimes the longer we walk in this faith journey, we start to take our emotions back. And you know this morning, you have a personality that has been formed by God. It's a unique personality that God delights in. Yet, Our personality can become warped with our emotions. So give your emotions to God so that you can love the Lord your God with all of your personality. Proverbs 23 verse 26 tells us this. God says, oh my son, give me your heart. The same word here. Give me the seed of your emotions. Give me the, 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 the authority and the power to your emotions. And then he says this. And may your eyes take delight in following my ways. You know what happens when you give your emotions to God? You start delight to delight in the ways of God. If you're having a hard time loving God this morning. If you're having a hard time following God, maybe you're having a hard time delighting in God. Maybe you're not loving God with all your heart. Maybe you're not giving God the seat of your emotions. Maybe God hasn't control of your emotions. Maybe you're holding too tight to them. Maybe this morning your emotions are controlling your life. Maybe you're getting a point in your life where you are just getting too angry. And it's affecting your other relationships around you. Maybe you're getting too sensitive to others and you're getting hurt by everything everyone else is saying. Maybe you're suffering from anxiety a lot or depression or fear is taking hold of your life. Maybe others walk on eggshells around you because your emotions are like a roller coaster. They're up and down and they don't know who they are going to get that day. And if that's you, then it's time to surrender your emotions to God. You know, if your heart doesn't break over the sin in your life, if you're not filled with joy over the fact that God has saved you and God has set you free from sin and death and you have eternal life, if you don't feel very thankful to God for rescuing your life, then maybe, just maybe, you are holding your emotions and you're not loving God with all of your heart. And if that's you, then give your emotions to God and watch how God will light up your life and you'll start to delight in His ways. Let's bow our heads in prayer.